on an emergency episode on an emergency episode of the Aggie Wagon podcast, we have new men's and women's basketball program leaders at New Mexico State, which caps off one of the wildest months in the history of the program. Chris Jans is out and Greg Heyer is in. Brooke Atkinson is out and Jody Adams Birch is in. One of these hires I haven't made my mind up on totally yet. The other hire kind of concerns me. I'll get into it more in this week's emergency edition. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Aggie Wagon Podcast, a place for New Mexico State men's basketball skeptics, fanatics, doubters, and really anyone who likes basketball. I'm your host, Stephen Wagner. Let's shoot the breeze. So I guess this year I learned that March Madness actually means a lot of different things. The NCAA tournament itself is totally sick and undoubtedly the best time of the basketball year, but with games going on every day, it's madness. That is one side of March. The other side is everything that happens after the season ends. We've got coaching changes, player transfers, hiring decisions for athletic directors, and massive amounts of roster turnover for probably 85% of college basketball teams in today's transfer-filled era. And there's been a lot of both kinds of madness in Las Cruces over the last month. So NMSU's men's team beat UConn 70-63 to in the NCAA tournament round of 64 for its first official March Madness win since 1970 and its first unofficial win since 1993 because Neil McCarthy's March Madness wins were vacated by the NCAA. I still think they should count just like I think Reggie Bush still won the Heisman, but whatever, it is what it is. Either way, New Mexico State didn't just beat a team in the NCAA tournament, they beat a blue blood in the NCAA tournament. They beat a team with three national championships in the last 20 years in the NCAA tournament. So congratulations are in order to this year's team and this year's coaching staff for doing something that hasn't been done in a very, very long time at New Mexico State. The Aggies lost to Arkansas 53-48 to in the round of 32 and failed to advance to the Sweet 16, but my boys did cover the spread twice. Good teams win, great teams cover the spread. And even greater teams cover the spread in March Madness when it counts. So if you listen to my advice and you bet on the Aggies to cover, congratulations. If you didn't, then you know to make sure to listen to me next year. But just like every cloud has a silver lining, every one shining moment has a dark spot. Chris Jans announced the Sunday following NMSU's loss to Arkansas that he would be departing New Mexico State to take the head coaching job at Mississippi State. He personally endorsed associate head coach James Miller to succeed him here in Las Cruces, but athletic director Mario Mocha ultimately decided to go with Northwest Florida State College head coach Greg Heyer to succeed Jans instead. He's still within that same coaching tree that originated at Wichita State with Greg Marshall's teams in the last decade, and Heyer worked with Jans at Wichita State. He was originally an assistant while Jans was the associate head coach. Then he worked his way up to associate head coach before Jans returned to Wichita for his second stunt with the Shockers. He's also closely connected to Steve Forbes and Larry Eustacey, so Mocha at least stayed pretty consistent with the guys he likes for the men's head coaching jobs. And he sort of followed a similar pattern for the women's job too, or at least he went after someone from the same school. So NMSU announced in mid-March they would not retain Brooke Atkinson as head coach when her contract expired April 30th after five years at NMSU. She and Chris Jans came in together and they went out together, although for very different reasons. Atkinson's team steadily declined over the last three years, and we kind of got the hint that she might not be retained after Mocha said after the WAC tournament 
that they were going to evaluate the overall status of the women's basketball program and obviously didn't come out and say that he was exactly thrilled and that things were going great. So Mocha ended up performing two coaching searches at once. And last week, NMSU announced that former Wichita State women's head coach Jody Adams-Birch was going to be NMSU's next head coach. She actually was at Wichita while Jans and Hire were men's assistants, and apparently Jans and Hire both spoke very highly of her. But her and Hire either have baggage or they're connected to some people who have baggage, and that's going to be our focus today. So Hire himself doesn't actually have any baggage, and he has a totally clean basketball record, but he's tied to some people who have either had issues or they're out of coaching entirely right now because of some kind of issue. Jans had an issue at Bowling Green, although to his credit, he owned it and moved past it, and it's really the only the only blemish on his record. Steve Forbes had a show cause back at Tennessee for recruiting violations, which has the potential to be a coaching death sentence, but he bounced back from that too and is now the head coach at Wake Forest. Greg Marshall is no longer coaching after being accused of assaulting a player at Wichita State. Will Wade was fired at LSU a few weeks back after he got busted for numerous NCAA violations over his tenure, some of which came while Greg Heyer was an assistant on his staff, although Heyer was not listed in the NCAA's official report, which I do think is very important to note because Heyer does have a clean basketball record, like I said. So we had a chance to ask him about it after his introductory press conference, and here's what he said. Along those lines... And I know you know the names and what they do in the college basketball world, but you list as your mentors, Greg Marshall, hot button kind of name in college basketball because of why he's out right now. Chris James, we know what he did here and resurrected any issues that people may have had. But Steve had a show cause too in his past. Yep. Larry Stacy, who by the way I love covering it at Colorado State, absolutely love Larry. But he's out of basketball right now and had some allegations. Yeah. The, the allegations, and I guess not the allegations, the association with all those names right now is going to cause some people to think, like, oh, wait a minute, is this guy like all those? And, and uh, let me throw Will in there, too. And I know you, I'll say it because I know you're not going to, you're not associated with Will. There's a reason Will's name wasn't exactly mentioned with those other guys. You consider some of them mentors. You you, you worked with another one. Yes. Um, let me ask you. Those are four guys, though, that you do consider mentors who have, I guess baggage is the fair term, but they've, you know what the, the baggage is, and they've kind of redeemed themselves, or they've said what they need to say about it. How do you address the fact that your four mentors all have something that people know about that concerns people? Jeff, that's a great question. Uh, you know, when I'm saying mentors, too, I'm looking at it from the basketball sure. side of things. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the X's and O's, the motivational tactics, the schemes, the scouting, the, the how to push buttons on players. What has happened, okay, that's to me a personality. Mm -hmm. That's, and things, everybody makes mistakes, right? I can't make a mistake. And I've had, I've got the honor, the blessing to learn, to see what has happened, right? and say, okay, this cannot happen on your watch. And then we have Jody Adams-Birch. Where we want to start with that, I'm not really sure. This hire, I have a few more issues with. Yes, she is the winningest head coach in Wichita State history, and yes, she did have three straight NCAA appearances, 
and won the Conference Coach of the Year award twice, but she left the program in 2017 with a lot of question marks. In 2015, four players left the program after she was accused of being mentally and physically abusive to her players and promised to make changes to the program. Then in 2017, two more of her players left midseason and the university suddenly removed her from the team in January and she left the program a few days later. The university would not say if she was fired or if she resigned, only that she and the school had amicably agreed to part ways. But either way, having six players transfer in three years before the era of free agency in college basketball is somewhat of a concerning sign, especially when she was accused of mental and physical abuse to players. And what else she did that kind of concerned me in her introductory press conference is she didn't exactly belly up to what she did. Neither her nor Mario Mocha nor Dan Arvizu addressed her Wichita State background until I asked about it, which you might bat an eye at, but I think that says something from a PR standpoint. Instead of jumping out in front of it and attempting to control the narrative by owning it and saying, I made a mistake at Wichita State, or saying, we've hired someone who made a mistake at Wichita State, they tried to avoid the topic entirely until they were pressed about it, which to me is effectively trying to sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen. And when she was asked more about the situation at Wichita State, she didn't exactly own up to what she did. She more tried to make herself out to be the good guy in this whole mess. I think the hardest thing for everybody is that when you see a lot of winning and and that's it, and you really don't know the heart of the coach or their staff, because that wasn't really shined upon what I did at Wichita State, whether I was staying in the hospitals with a kid or spending time with a grandparent or going to a funeral or those type of things. So you never really got to see my heart. So I just get looked at as all she wants to do is win. No, basketball is what I get to do. That is not who I am. And so my heart is about serving. And so I hope they'll come out and um, be a part of of growth and winning ways because there is a way to win. And what I have learned and always been about is inspiring young people to be their best. And because his comments is extremely relevant too, here's what Mario Mocha had to say when asked about hiring someone with a checkered past. I guess maybe what did she say in the interview process that makes you, you know, comfortable that maybe that would happen again in Mexico State? Yeah, but you know, it was uh, that her Wichita State situation was addressed. Um, you know, to me as well as in the uh, in the committee. You know, I'm not going to divulge all the details of that. However, what stood out to you the most is you have to understand. I've known her for 16 years. Okay, so I think it's a little different when you're courting somebody maybe for the first time, and maybe there's a situation. You know, you rely more on, hey, what does so and so say? I know Jody Adams Birch. So um, while we did have uh, conversations about it, I have. I had no reservations whatsoever recommending her, um, and I, I'm just very ecstatic with the choice. What would sort of your message be to maybe some fans who you know don't know her as well, and who maybe see this thing and sort of maybe have a have a few reservations? What would your message to those fans be? Sure, it would just like be anybody. Uh, I'd say I'd ask to say, hey, give her a chance. Come meet her. Come talk to her. Come to practice. See what it's like. Um, you know, there's the same thing. I know that uh, much was made of uh, us being, uh, you know, second chance you 
Uh, but the reality is everything's different, right? Um, you know, Chris Jans' situation was different from Jerry Kills, um, you know, different from Jody Adams-Birch. So, um, you know, we evaluate very good. I think one thing we do well at New Mexico State is we do our homework on candidates uh, before we, uh, you know, make a final decision. But I'd encourage people to come out, come to practice, come to game, make up their own mind, but I'm pretty confident that uh, we got the right person to lead our women's basketball program in Jody Adams-Birch. Now, Greg Heyer, I don't really have a problem with. Yeah, he's connected to some guys who have done some kind of shady stuff, but he himself is clean. And when we asked him about it, he said that he's learned from those guys exactly what cannot happen on his watch. So I've got some respect for that. And so far, Mario has had a pretty good track record of hiring guys and things working out with his hires. But Jody Adams-Birch is the one hire that I do have an issue with and I do have some concerns about because she didn't have just one isolated incident. When Jans had his incident at Bowling Green, he owned up to it. He admitted that he got drunk at a bar one night and he slapped a girl's butt, which definitely isn't okay by any means. But he admitted that he made a mistake and then he owned up to it. He owned up to it when he was fired at Bowling Green. He owned up to it when he was hired at NMSU. And he owned up to it when he was hired at Mississippi State. That, and it was an isolated incident. It was the only blemish on his coaching record. And as far as we know, it's the only time that he's done that. He might have done things other times, but either way, it wasn't documented. But other than that, he was completely clean. And in five years at New Mexico State, he didn't have an off-the-court incident that would disincentivize other programs to consider him for other coaching positions. And it wasn't a behavioral issue. Jody Adams-Birch's situation, however, leads us to believe that she didn't just make a one-off mistake. And it's not that she just did something dumb in just one isolated incident. She was accused of player mistreatment. And to do that, you need more than just one time where you went too far when cursing out a player. And she didn't try to admit that she made a mistake either. She more tried to say that people don't understand all of the good things that she did at Wichita State. She's saying that all of the good she did is being outshined by this one bad event. And to her credit, she's definitely a winner. She's a basketball coach who has won a lot of games, and she's got plenty of connections to, Mex to New Mexico State. She was an assistant at Southern Illinois when Mocha was the athletic director there. Jerry Kill hired her for a second stint at SIU when he was the AD there. And Chris Jansen and Greg Heyer both know her from her days to get, from their days together at Wichita State. And my guess is, following her track record and the fact that she can actually coach basketball, I think she'll probably win here at New Mexico State. At what cost remains to be seen, but I think she'll win. And who knows, maybe she really has evolved as a person and isn't going to have any issues at NMSU. Mocha hasn't given a second or third chance to a coach who hasn't made the most of it yet, but we'll see what happens here. Okay, so shifting gears here, sort of, but not really, I want to talk about the impact these coaching decisions have had on the rosters. So as of the time I'm recording this on Monday, four men's players have announced their intent to either leave the program or explore other options in the transfer portal. Jabari Rice, Nate Pryor, and Jorge Moreno have all entered the transfer portal, and Teddy Allen has hired an agent and declared for the NBA draft. Allen has indicated that he's entering the draft and not choosing to maintain his NCAA eligibility. Rice, Pryor, and Moreno can still choose to withdraw their names from the portal and stay at NMSU if they want to. Allen and Rice were both huge advocates for James Miller to be promoted to head coach, and Allen even said the only way he would consider returning to NMSU was if Miller got the head coaching job. Rice said he wants to explore his options, but he could still return to New Mexico State. Pryor and Moreno have both been silent on social media. 
And as of Monday, from what I've been told by sources I trust, women's point guard Mel Isbell is the only player to have entered the transfer portal. And she entered on March 9th before it was announced that Atkinson would not be retained. But more players could obviously transfer in the coming days since Adams Birch has only been the head coach for a couple of days. So for the men's team, assuming that Rice, Pryor, and Moreno all transfer, the Aggies stand to potentially lose eight players from last year's roster. But Hire has mentioned that he's placing an emphasis on re-recruiting players who are, who are already on the team. The quote he gave was that these players didn't come here to play for him. They came here to play for Chris Jans. And retaining a guard like Jabari Rice is obviously going to be at the top of his list. But he's recruited pretty heavily in his first week as NMSU's head coach. He offered three Northwest Florida State College guards in his first 72 hours as head coach, who were three of the team's four leading scorers last season. That's Trey Clark, Cam Woods, and DeShondre Washington, who Hire won a junior college national championship with last season. Then he's also offered Selton McGill from Kansas State, Dr. Bradley from Salt Lake Community College. Yes, his first name is actually Dr. Anthony Roy from Winnetouche Valley College, Taj Anderson from Indian Hills Community College, and Javon Hadley from Indian Hills, too. He's also offered Jacob Wilson, a three-star high school recruit from Liberty High in Baton Rouge. John Rothstein also reported that Oregon transfer Eric Williams is receiving interest from New Mexico State in addition to a horde of Power 6 programs. All are guards except for Williams and Bradley. So that's 10 guys who have either been offered or are reported to be receiving interest from higher already. Hire said in his introductory press conference that his recruiting philosophy is to get old and stay old, so he's staying consistent with that in going with a plethora of transfers and one three-star high school point guard. He also added that he's a huge fan of size at all positions, and so he's gone after really big guards. Washington is a 6'7 point guard and was a junior college All-American last season. But regardless, next year's team is going to have a much, much different look than this year's squad. We don't yet have news on the women's front, but we'll be sure to keep everyone updated as things progress on that side as well. So here, I usually give my way out Wagner prediction, but since there isn't another New Mexico State game this season, I'm going to leave with my quick takeaways on these new hires. NMSU hired two new basketball coaches in one week, one on the men's side and one on the women's side. One has a clean basketball record, but lots of ties to coaches who have had their issues. And one has had issues in her own program herself. Both are proven winners as head coaches and both fit the mold for what NMSU is looking for in terms of X's and O's and ability to build a program with limited resources. These hiring practices haven't bit NMSU yet, but I think we're all interested to find out if they will down the road. If you're interested in reading about the Aggie second chance hiring practices, my colleague Jason Groves had a great column this week on the Aggies leaning into that second chance you reputation. I definitely recommend giving it a read. Folks, that's it for Season 1, Episode 19 of the Aggie Wagon Podcast. Again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, be sure to leave a like if you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow the Las Cruces Sun News' NMSU basketball coverage on our website. And you can follow me on Twitter at StephenWag22. That's Stephen with a PH. So until next time, I'll bid you folks farewell and happy trails.